I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to The Melancholy Condition. Welcome to Season 2. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you loud and clear. That was great. All right, perfect. Awesome. I'm not too sure what was going on. What did you change anything? Uh, well, I started off with my little uh, iPhone headset plugged in. Uh huh. And I'm not sure why that didn't work, but uh, huh. who, know, who knows here? Okay. Well, no worries. Um, we're here. We're great. We're on. We're rolling. So let's go ahead and get started. Um. I'll go ahead and give it a five count, and then we'll get started, okay? Sounds good. All right. So five, four, three, two, one, and we're live. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to The Melancholy Condition, and I have Christopher Husby here. Christopher, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Chris Husby. Uh, I'm actually a full-time kicking coach. <laughs> awesome. Oh. So I run a I run a business called Special Teams Football Academy where I train kickers, punters, and long snappers how to kick, punt, and snap. Um, I've been doing that for about ten years now. Um, I originally started out as a specialist myself and uh, pursued the NFL for about six years. And then when that dream was over, then I I decided to train kids how to do it and teach them how I how to do it and be successful at it and kind of give back to the, the the football community in that way. So. I've been doing it for a while and, and, and thoroughly love it. You know, helping awesome. kids reach their goals and dreams. How long um, have you been doing it again? Uh, about 10, uh, actually about nine years, actually. Nine years. Wow. That's great. So what are some of the um, um, challenges that uh, you faced, I guess, with your early stages of this career? Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, as a coach, you know, you're trying to lead a specialist and, and, you know, people are hiring you to, to, to train their kids to get better. So, you know, sometimes the challenge, I guess, that I put on myself is, is wanting to make sure that they, these kids are getting better. They feel like they're getting better. And, you know, it's worth their time and, and money to invest in me. And so, that's, so I, that's probably the pressure I put on myself, you know, if anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of, I mean, I know you kind of touched on it in the beginning, as far as just wanting to be able to help people. What? When you found this, I guess, I guess what led to it, should I ask? 
What led to starting the business or just getting into kicking? Both. Both? Well, um, I played soccer before I got into football. It was what my parents allowed me to play at the time, and then I eventually got into football. And so I think naturally, way back in the day, I, I, I must have been probably the strongest leg out there to do to do kicking. Um, so when I was in high school, I was, a, I was a quarterback for a period of time and a linebacker, and then I kicked. Um, ended up going to play at a local uh, – university in, in, in Minnesota where I'm from and and came in as a kicker <clears throat> and there was a batch there was like a surplus of kickers there actually as a freshman and uh, and then uh, they converted me to a punter and I had never really tried it actually um, but they addressed that I had a strong leg mm-hmm. so so I eventually gave it a try I was kind of resistant at first and and then I, I had a great senior year or, or fifth year actually uh, uh, punting wise and then I was recommended to to, to pursue the NFL and give it a shot because they thought, you know, the people around me thought I had a chance to do it. So, you know, I pursued the dream. Uh, back then, there weren't a lot of kicking coaches around. Uh, mm-hmm. My my punting coach or kicking coach, uh, I had to drive six hours to go see him in person. And then to go to these little open tryouts for specialists as a free agent. Oftentimes, I had to fly to, you know, Las Vegas or or Florida or, or Arizona. You know, so I had to fly somewhere else to go try out. <clears throat> so... I learned a lot of stuff. I didn't really quite have the mentors in my life then uh, as I was trying to pursue it, you know, and, and I think part of it was I was a little shy too. And I didn't always ask the questions I probably should have. And so part of my goal when my dream of pursuing the NFL was over is I wanted to teach these kids the things that I learned late in my career so that they had success earlier on in their life. You mm. know, so a lot of almost like, like life experiences trying to pursue this thing. Uh, we're, we're catalysts in terms of me wanting to give back to these kids so that they found success earlier than I did. So I know like a lot of people, I mean, how do you now? Uh, 37. 37. Okay. So I think, <clears throat> I guess it's very um, surprising for me, I guess you could say for, to, to know that you immediately wanted to give back. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, whenever they go through that kind of career path, they put themselves in the mindset of like, I mean, especially if things didn't quite work out, it becomes a little bit more of a a de- self-deprecating mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, oh, this didn't work out rather than immediately transitioning into, okay, well, maybe I can help someone else. What do you think kind of drove you to go that direction? Well, growing up, I always wanted to be a football coach. Uh-huh. Uh, I always had kind of thought that maybe I would be a, you know, a head coach at the high school level. That was always something that I thought would be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, while I pursued the NFL, I had a full-time job uh, doing sales for a company. And so for a lot of that time, I kind of did this kicking business on the side. And there was, it actually came to a point where I was having success and it almost felt like I had two full-time jobs. And at the other job, though, was paying the bills, you know. Of course. And, but, but it came to a point where I really wasn't having, I really wasn't happy at that job. And I was finding more joy in training these athletes, you know, training them up so that they could be varsity starters. Or I was able to help facilitate them or get them to be good enough so they could play in college football. And, mm-hmm. them, you know, essentially get an education with their kicking leg or their snapping abilities. And so I just uh, there was a point in my life where I just started to realize I was like, wow, you know, I'm finding more fulfillment doing that. And maybe this is what I meant to do, you know, change impact kids lives through the ability of teaching them how to kick, punt and snap. So interesting. Interesting. What are some of the challenges that you face within yourself? 
that like come with this career, right? Because I assume, you know, with any t- any type of mentorship, and this is just from my personal experience, you deal with a lot of people that are are a little bit more susceptible to let their own mind defeat themselves, right? Because they're trying something new. And whenever you're trying something new, you kind of, if it doesn't, if, if it's something, I guess, that takes a while to like adapt to, especially something as far as kicking, that's something that takes a minute for you to actually understand that muscle mind connection. So in the early stages, correct me if I'm wrong, it can kind of get kind of like frustrating, right? Because you're trying to do something you haven't done before. You're trying to make this, you know, your body do these long kicks or, you know, whatever it may be. And it can get frustrating because it's, you know, just like any sport, it takes practice. What yep. are some of the things that you deal with? Like, as far as uh, that goes? Sure. Well, I think starting out initially with trying to be a coach, um, I, you know, I struggle a little bit with trying to put into words, the actions of how I could do it. You know, mm-hmm. that was, I just knew how to in camps and gotten instruction. And I was just naturally, I wouldn't say naturally good. I was good at it. Uh, but putting it in the words is where I challenged, I was challenged. And then believing in myself, you know, was, was probably another as- aspect, you know, where I went to school was a division three school. So there were times where I, you know, wondered or stressed about, you know, are, th- are people going to listen to me? Cause I didn't go to a big time university football program. Yeah. You know, well, I think what I have to say is good. And then, um, so I, I struggled with that a little bit. And then eventually once I started, producing good specialists and I knew that I was probably at least 90% of that development of that specialist I started probably believing in myself a little bit more like okay wow I really do know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. or or, you know believe in myself um you know some of the challenges with training specialists um you know some of it involves you know you know depending on the age of the specialist you know, sometimes their mind tells their, you know, is, is telling their body to do something and sometimes their body doesn't do it. So kind of trying to think outside the box to conceptualize a certain drill or a certain concept with them so that they can relate to it. You know, so a lot of times, too, I, I try to pull in life concepts uh, or other sports, you know. So if I, if I know that they play basketball, I try to find some similar analogies to doing this particular drill as, a, as you would find in basketball or or even like learning a foreign language or something like that. Mm-hmm. So something that kind of, um, I guess, intrigued me was that you said you in the very beginning, early stages, as far as mentorship, having the the right analogies to use, right? As far as how to explain how to actually perform these actions. I think that's a lot of what coaches have the biggest issue wouldn't it be like because you know how to do something right even this can come down to personal training it can come down to you know um if it's not written any physical activity you know how to do this action you know how like it works on your body but everybody has a little bit of a different like fulcrum point within joints i guess you could say so the Mm -hmm. movements may be uh, slightly different how is that how did you overcome that you know, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of studying too. You know, mm-hmm. I studied the industry. I studied what other coaches did. I looked at a lot of film. You know, and and for me, I never wanted to teach something if I didn't know the why behind it or the how behind it. So okay. if I heard, say, at a camp, a coach explain how to do something a certain way, I wanted to know why they felt like that was the best way to explain it. You know, and then if I got it, you know, then I started adapting that into my style. Um, so. The big, you know, the biggest thing was I wanted to fully understand it 
and the kids had to believe it as well. You know, if they didn't understand it, I'm going to figure out another way for them to see it or, or, or conceptualize it. You know, and I understand for kids, you can either learn by watching or hearing or seeing it. So I would try to figure out a way to do that three different ways. You know, I'd explain it, then I'd try to show it, you know, and then I'd try to, you know, just really make sure that they, they could grasp it, you know, as well and, and understand why I'm trying to explain it versus just telling them to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, man. Um, so I guess, you know, you probably work with a lot of different types of personalities, right? Yes. How does, how does that work with like coaching? I, I mean, do you feel like you're pretty adaptable to different people's personalities? Cause that's something that even I run into, like, as far as doing this, you know, the podcast, um, or even just people at work or within training people that I've done, you know, fitness training for not yeah. everybody's acceptable, right. Or susceptible to, to new tactics, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is growing up, I always felt like with my personality, I was able to adapt to different personalities. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I always was successful in sales or having jobs where you're selling stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, for me, obviously with, you know, I've trained hundreds of specialists and yeah, they're all very different. And, you know, for me, it was a challenge and an enjoyable challenge, really, to try to figure out how to connect with that that specialist, that kid. You know, there's you know, there's kids that are super quiet, and then there's kids that talk a lot, and then there's, sometimes there's kids that are super confident, and you you got to figure out how to how to connect through with them and make sure that they, you know, if 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 it was a super confident kid, you know, that they're willing to take on uh, critique or mm -hmm. or other advice that might be different from what they've heard from a different coach. You know, so I, I really enjoy that challenge to try to connect with them and get them to open up. I mean, not that you want to say that you're you you're you kind of have to use some sales tactics on them, you know, act, asking them open ended questions just to get them to talk a little bit more. So, you know, I always enjoyed that challenge of, of figuring it out, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and figuring out how to best connect with these kids and make them believe what I was trying to tell them. You know, how do you think this these um, I mean any type of coaching I feel like teaches you very like a lot of patience. Do you feel like that's kind of helped you in your own personal life? Any struggles that you've gone through, um, you know, to kind of that anything that you've gone through as far as like coaching, right. Anything that you've learned that you've started to apply within your own personal endeavors or just even personal um, problems, you know? Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, trying to think of some, specific example but you know i i have young kids you know five and five and eight mm -hmm. and uh i essentially started the business two years before having kids you know so you know having patience with training specialists and trying to grow them and, and figure out a plan and kind of a future outlook you know then i try to kind of apply that with my kids you know try to i think i probably got a little bit better at trying to figure out how to explain something to my my own kids mm -hmm. you know and or figuring out a different way to connect with them if they didn't quite get how i explained it the first time and then vice versa having kids and having an infant and then you know i have i have two kids one's very calm you know and, and listens a lot and the other one's a little bit more challenging you know and has a lot of energy so you know i struggled actually initially because our first child if you want to call it you know, if you want to say turned out perfect in our eyes, you know, like everything just worked out and then trying to teach the exact same way to my second kid. And, and he didn't quite turn out the same. Yeah. You know? So that's where I, you know, I did struggle with that as a parent and was like, man, what am I doing wrong? You know? And then it took me a while to like figure out like, okay, well, genetically they're just different, you know, they're just mm -hmm. different personalities. 
you know, and, um, you know, I think just teaching kids, teaching special kids how to kick, punt, snap, and my own kids, it kind of just, it crossed over, you know, a little bit. Of, I don't know, everything's, a lot of things are trial and error until you really learn. So just figuring out a different way to, to approach, you know, either raising my own kids or yeah. talking to my wife or training these kids. So within your practices, I mean, do you ever get situations where like, I guess struggles, right? So whenever you're teaching somebody something and they just don't grasp it because you guys speak a completely different language, how how do you deal with some stuff like that? Well, in relation to you know training kids, I've I've definitely had lessons where it felt like for 50 minutes out of this hour lesson we're just not making progress, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, so is it is it me not explaining it well enough, or is it maybe just the kid just hasn't figured it out yet, or physically can't do it yet? Mm-hmm. And so you know, I'm always trying to figure out a new way to connect with or or explain something, and you know, sometimes just even in the 11th hour, if you want to say it, like the last five minutes of, of, of training, that concept or that drill or, or whatever we're working on it, like you can just see it clicks. The ball pops off the foot a little bit better. And yeah. that's like, for me, that's super rewarding. And, you know, but yeah, there's, you know, there's been times that a co- as a coach, I'm like, man, I, am I failing with this kid? You know, I've had a lot of success with others. Why is it not working with this kid? And, you know, just, uh, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist mm-hmm. and, you know, that's, that's been great for, for a number of reasons. And then obviously it's caused stress in life when you're, when you're trying to be perfect all the time. And, and I had to kind of realize myself, you know, is it good or not, you know, change my mindset. Like, is it good enough? Are we, are we progressing 1% every day? You know, so I had to change how I thought as well. So I didn't put so much pressure and stress on myself as a coach to make these kids perfect, you know, just Mm -hmm. as a measurable improvement that we can, we can find. So that was, probably through some internal growth that I had to figure out how to maybe become a better coach that way. Do you think that like, um, say you're, you know, as far as coaching goes, typically, at least as my experience or my knowledge is you want to be able to have all of your clients reach their full potential, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a scenario where I guess you kind of overestimated, um, someone's ability to you know they're you've underestimated their potential you know what I mean or overestimated it like you kind of maybe had a little bit higher expectations as far as where they may have actually been uh yeah there you know I'm trying to think give you a specific example but yeah there's been times where either a I didn't think that maybe they would turn out as good as they did Mm -hmm. but I'm a very optimistic guy as well and I you know I try to teach these kids to believe them, believe in themselves and to set goals that are attainable, you know, have attainable goals and then stretch goals, you know? So sometimes, you know, yeah, kids do turn out a little bit better than I thought they would. Um, I have, I've had some kids that, yeah, like you said, didn't quite reach their full potential. And sometimes I'm hard on myself about that. Like, man, I, you know, did I just, you know, did I envisioned how I thought they would turn out and they didn't get there. You know, is that my fault? Yeah. Or that's just that kid maybe just, you know, maybe he didn't want to, want to be a kicker or that he wasn't all in. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe kicking was one aspect of his life and he played hockey and baseball and track and all that stuff. But, you know, so there's been times where I had to kind of look at the big picture and be like, well, maybe he just, you know, I told him what I thought he needed to do to get better. And maybe he just didn't either follow it or, you know, he's he's got another life outside being a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I mean, I've had guys that, yeah, didn't quite reach their full potential and some that, 
way out, way, way exceeded my expectations of them. So what, what do you, I mean, with your kicking experience, I guess, with your, your coaching experience and your career choices, where do you think um, you could tie that into, you know, uh, dealing with like the mental struggles, the, the, yeah. the downsides of these, you know, personal uh, endeavors, the things that you're trying to achieve? How does, how does that, those kind of things affect you? in that area if they did i'm not saying they have to have had it affected you i'm just saying if there was a scenario how how did it you know come to be and how did you deal with it sure well um you know being a kicker is like 80 percent mental you know you could have the the physical gifts but um it, a lot of it's mental i mean there's a lot of pressure to be perfect every time and you can see it in the nfl or or the college ranks you know, guys who miss one kick are getting cut. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. You know, you're, you know, if you're, if you fail 20% of the time out of a hundred, hundred percent of the time, that's 80%. That's overall, that's pretty good. Quarterbacks could fail. They could have a 65% completion percentage and that's considered good. Yeah. You know, so their, their expectation of being able to fail is much looser, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to teach the kids how to handle that type of pressure. I mean, we often say, and kicking, you're the hero or the zero, you know, and <laughs> it's kind of the truth, you know, you either help your team or you didn't, you know, Yeah, yeah. but then, so you got to teach them to just understand that that could happen, you know, put them in that mental standpoint of saying, you know, I could fail and failing does happen and helping them realize it's okay to fail, you know, so that's kind of a, a life lesson I try to teach. And, and that was something that I had struggles with when I was growing up is I was trying to be perfect all the time and all that stuff. But to let them know, like, you're never going to make 100% of your field goals, and it's okay to miss, and it's going to happen. So sometimes just that self-actualization, like, whew, okay, I guess I will probably miss a kick, you know, puts less pressure on them. Yeah, for um, sure. A lot of times they try to teach the kids how to goal set, you know. All right, we're going to kick eight field goals right here. Uh, what's a very what's, what's a realistic goal to make out of these eight? And then what's a stretch goal? You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we'll work on a long distance. So, okay, well, maybe – it's probably probably realistic I'll make five kicks, but my stretch goal is seven, you know. And so if you hit that goal, you're feeling pretty good. And if you make that, that stretch goal, you're feeling really good, you know. And so just to try to be realistic with these kids and just teach them confidence. And, you know, the thing with kicking is is um, I think a lot of kids like it, and especially the kids that I don't know if you want to say it's like OCD-like, but, I mean, if you start out making a 30-yard field goal, well, next time you push yourself to make a 33-yard field goal, you know, then mm-hmm. a 36, then a 40, you know. So I think you you can see a lot of success with the efforts and times you put into it as well. And I think a lot of kids like that as well. Okay, interesting. So I guess, I mean, um, with those, you know, mental struggles that you said that sometimes some of the kids deal with, how do you teach them to get over it? Like, you know, obviously, you know, you teach them to understand distress but how do you get them to cope with it whilst being able to manage what they're doing as far as the sport yeah well uh sometimes you mean you're talking about like if they have like personal things going on or, or even just you know the stress of not being good enough like to uh-huh. the, of their based on their own expectations not saying that you know you're drilling on them but you know obviously we all have our own expectations as far as the sport goes we have our expectation of how good we want to be and it can be stressful to you know not be that good yet 
you know, that's that's something I think about quite a bit because, you know, I, I train a variety of specialists and there's obviously ones that have turned out very, very, very good. And I think some of these kids obviously realize that their their skill set isn't as good as others, you know, uh-huh. and that's, you know, that is a balance as a, as a coach. You know, I, I try to figure out like, well, is that, you know, how do I approach that with them? Like, OK, well, maybe you're just not, you know, find a delicate way of saying, you know, well, this guy's better than you, you know, or, you know, it's. It's almost like statistics in a way. Well, can you make a 50-yard field goal? No, I can't. Well, okay, well, so this guy's better than you. You know, so I trying to find that right way of, of, of approaching that with them. And but, but also I try to find a way to make them believe in themselves. Like, well, listen, man, you know, you're not quite as good as this guy, but you can get there. And if you work on these few things, I think you can get there. So I, I do try to make them believe in themselves a little bit more as well if they're, if they're seeing themselves as not as good. But, you know, that, that comes with the territory. I mean, it's just – it's sports, you know, and, you know, people who played sports probably went through it. You know, I wasn't good enough to be the starter or get all that playing time. And now I'm, now I'm there as a coach on the other side of it and a parent of, of kids, you know, that are, are starting to get into sports. And it's kind of an interesting take because now I see it from the other side. Yeah. As a, as a coach, what, what are some of the things that you do your, as yourself to kind of, you know, invest in yourself? What, what are the things that you do to stay balanced and stay you know, I guess not as stressed because of the, the tasks that you're dealt with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there were, you know, there's, I guess, different stages with, with time. You know, I, I went through bouts of having some anxiety and, and a lot of that I think had to do with me putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect at everything and, and being the best and just trying to be a little bit more realistic. So, you know, I, there's actually some podcasts I listen to that, that talk about stress management and, anxiety and and so i listen to those and those and those help mm-hmm. um you know i found with time it's it's good to talk about stuff and i really wasn't the best at expressing my feelings back in the day i, I kind of bottled a lot of stuff up mm-hmm. you know and and i you know when you're going through it you really don't know you know life is kind of a lot of trial and error you know it seems like and and so i there were times i just didn't open up about stuff and then it, eventually with time i had the right people in my life that kind of got me to open up and I just sort of realized it felt better to talk about it, you know, even if it was hard to talk about, you know, so, you know, I have a, a very supportive wife, you know, that I can talk to about a lot of things as well. And parents or, or, you know, some best friends who I feel confident in talking to them about stuff versus other things. So, you know, just finding those outlets to talk to and, you know, taking care of everybody. I mean, everybody says that, you know, and I, when I had, my full-time sales job and running this business, I was, it was stressful. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was trying to balance that with a wife and, and some very young kids and, you know, not getting a lot of sleep because I was working late on my second job, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, just, just balancing my intake of just healthy things. You know, I was drinking a lot of pop and, you know, pop and all that sugar really wasn't that good for me. And I, I cut that out two years ago and I, I feel a lot better, you know, and, I'm not saying that my my food intake and all that stuff is, is great, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And, 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 you know, trying to even just get more sleep, you know. Yeah. Kind of, kind of the typical things that everybody hears, but they've heard it so much, they sort of like drowned it out, you know. But like, for me, I kind of like to figure it out myself. I don't really always like to be told, mm-hmm. you know, hey, go do this, eat your vegetables. Oh, I kind of want to do it myself, you know. And, and so I've I've figured some stuff out, trial and error which probably made me more of a confident person or a confident coach because I figured it out myself versus being told it, you know, to change something or do something, you know? Yeah. 
as far as like how you said you you know in the beginning you weren't really too open about expressing what you were dealing with what are some of the things that you started to put into play like you know in your daily formula that kind of helped you get over that to make you be able to achieve whatever it was that you were looking for whether it to be me being more um open about what's going on with yourself you know with you know whether it be your family or your significant other um what kind of measures did you take to get past that well you know a variety of things i mean you know, some of it was, was my health, uh, you know, just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in decent shape. And I was once at a really kind of top, I was a really in good shape athlete. Um, I think there's a phase where I just had, I was so busy. I really wasn't exercising like I should. And I, there's a, there's a lot of good sort of stress relief things that come from exercising. And recently, or just in the last year, I've been doing more of that, you know, cutting out unnecessarily sugar and junk out of my life. I'm not, sugar is a crutch for me you know i really like the sugar flavor of syrupy things yeah so that was hard to cut out pop but i eventually just had to do it and you know i did some you know tests with my doctor and you know i can't remember what it was now but something was high so my was it your blood sugar yeah i think so but i can't remember but my aunt was a nurse and she was like you know if this gets out of control i mean you could develop whatever xyz and i was like oh crap you know i guess i just you know like i knew i should have I should be cutting out pop, but like I needed that, like punch in the gut type of thing. Um, you know, for some of the, the stressors in my life, um, you know, there's this anxiety podcast that I listen to called the anxiety coaches podcast, actually. And the topics that this lady talks about, I was able to connect with a lot of it. And what are some of the things that, you know, she had talked about? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've listened to like a year's worth of podcasts. Mm-hmm. From her, well, I mean, like, as far like... as like what you could relate to, you know what I mean? What was just so in, in the event that there's someone listening right now that may need to hear that, you know what I mean? What What are some of the things that you could like kind of relay to the listeners? Um, You know, one of them is understanding and realizing that you don't have to be perfect, you know, and mm-hmm. it's you know, you could tell yourself, is it good enough? You know, and um, just realizing that it's okay to screw up, you know, it's okay to not be perfect. You know, and I put a lot of pressure on myself as a parent to try to parent perfectly, you know, but, but also be realistic, you know, and then there's, there's so much stuff on social media where it's like, if you read the comments, you'd, you'd read the whole, the whole gamut of, yeah, parent this way. Oh no, parent this way. Oh no, no, I would do it this way. You know, so it's like, on my end, just, just making a decision, like, well, I'm just going to parent what feels natural to me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and luckily I had, I had great parents. So the stressors of just society, you know, oh, that is another thing is, is I, for a while, I just cut out, stop reading the comments of certain, you know, so media triggers, you know, mm-hmm. topics that would be out there. Did you read a lot of blogs and stuff like that? Not a lot of blogs, but like, well, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, I'd read a lot of articles on, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. And then you'd, read the articles and everybody's arguing about stuff and, you know, debating. And, and so like trying to figure out, I think for me too, is with being the perfectionist, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out what's the right way, answer. Well, you know, do I do this with my child or do I do it the opposite way? What's the right way, you know? And then that stress of probably trying to do it the perfect way, or is there a perfect answer, you know? Yeah. 
um, how to parent my kid or how to run my life or how to balance my sleep. I think, you know, um, as far as I get so, because I used to do a lot of the same thing, you know what I mean? And I can't speak for, you know, having children because I'm only 21. But Mm -hmm. I have dealt with a lot of the situations as far as like how to deal with certain problems, right? Similar, obviously, parenting is a whole different fish. But dealing with issues on am I doing this right? You know what I mean? Am I really handling the this the best way possible i think the biggest problem with i mean and i'm not saying that the social media doesn't have answers but something that i faced was expecting a solution you know what i mean i think a lot of what social media can offer is like plugins to your formula because everybody's formula is going to be different as far as how they handle stress and how they deal with certain problems but i think my biggest problem with that was you know expecting the right expecting a complete answer and that's Mm -hmm. still one of my issues too is like whenever i vent to someone about how i how do i deal with this stressful situation my biggest problem is that i expect someone else because maybe they're older than me or maybe they've dealt with it a lot more just to have the right answer and not always is that the case yeah oh yeah yeah i can see that right there too is am i going to get the outcome because i tried something yeah you know or or what's one's the absolute best scenario to do it you know and i think you know you just have to start to strive to be the you know i don't know if this is a cliche phrase but i've heard it more recently is try to be the best version of yourself you know instead of trying to be somebody else you know yeah that's another thing is everybody's come you know a downfall of social media is it's easy to sit there and compare yourself to somebody now to add on to that is like um i'm reading this book and I've mentioned it a bit. It's called Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. Um, I'm about finished with it now, but something that it did talk about in about the middle of the book is um, your perfect self, right? So on the note of being the best version of you, yes, you should strive for that. But what it mentioned in the book was to not compare yourself to that person, right? Because we have these projections in our own mind. Everybody has one of what their best self would be right your Mm -hmm. highest pinnacle moment what are you doing in those moments how much money are you making how many clients do you have um you know a lot of things go into those factors now the biggest thing that people do that's detrimental to like i guess their mental health i think is we compare ourselves to that person this idea of what we should be and where we should be at in life and it becomes like just self-limiting because you're like oh well i'm not that yet You know what I mean? And you kind of start adding these caps to what your potential could be because you're not at this level of where you imagine yourself. So something that the book kind of mentioned was to try to adopt the habits of your perfect self to get where you're at rather than comparing of where your perfect self should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I would agree with that, that concept, you know, so step, step by step improvements. And, you know, I've over the last few years, I've adapted just the, let me just get 1% better today. So it didn't feel like it's such a monumental task to reach or do whatever I'm trying to accomplish. You know, my, mm-hmm. am I a better parent today than I was yesterday? Did I not yell at my kids today? Did I calm myself down before, you know, yelling yeah. at my kids for not cleaning their rooms or, or, you know, you know, my, is my business, you know, I want it to be making X number of dollars, but am I at least, did I do something to improve the company today? Like 1%. So, um with with that being said as far as like how you said you want to be one percent better 
than you were yesterday. Has that ever, like, how do I put it? Has that ideology of being 1% better ever been limiting to yourself? Do, do you feel like you could be trying to utilize maybe more and maybe being like in certain aspects, not in everything, but in certain aspects, yeah. rather than being just 1% better, do you feel like maybe you're not letting yourself reach your fullest potential of just trying to be 1% oh, yeah. better? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm very introspective in things that I think, I think about a lot of stuff and, yeah. and you know, I was like, you know, sometimes I think is 1% just happen in my developing too slow because I want to make things happen like yesterday, you know? Of course. Yeah. And that's what the problem with being a perfectionist, right? Is you try to do so many things and you want to be perfect in every single one of them. And you, like I said earlier, you have that projection of how it should be. Exactly. I mean, I'm have to do list, and there's like always 30 things on them. And I think, I think I, I, I use the 1% analogy to kind of just slow myself down a little bit and be like, you know, am I just getting better? But I think deep down, I'm like, okay, well, I got to knock off 10 things off this list, you know? So I think I just use it as a way to like take a step back and breathe and just be like, okay, did I at least make some sort of improvement versus being a perfectionist? So I, I think I try to listen to my own words, <laughs> you know, yeah, but I also sure. put a little bit of a rea- you know, reality scope on that too, you know, because to me, 1% in order to get to 100, I mean, that's, that's a hundred steps technically, yeah. you know, I mean, that would take me forever to get to where I want, but you know, then the other, the other analogy I use, and it's one of my um, kind of business advisors says, you know, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, you've heard that phrase. Well, yeah. one bite at a time, you're not swallowing that thing in one step. It's going to take you a little while. You got to chew the leg <laughs> and you're going to chew the other leg, you know? So I try to look at that as well. Like, okay, how do I accomplish this big picture task is all right. Well, step by step, you know, versus mm-hmm. just, trying to get it all done in one sitting at my laptop or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, excuse me. Some of my coffee from earlier is coming up, but, um, all right. Uh, sorry about that. I was just getting a little gassy. Um, <laughs> what, what's the next steps for you, man? Um, you know, as far as, you know, where you're at now, where do you, where do you, what are your next goals, I guess, for like a 30, 90, 30, 60, 90, or maybe even the next, you know, five years, where do you see yourself with everything that you're doing and how, how do you want it to impact your life, your current life? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are good questions. And sometimes I wonder if I'm doing enough projecting down my life, you know, to have these long-term goals. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I actually probably one thing I probably struggled with over the years is I was so in the moments of just trying to figure stuff out that I didn't really like plan long-term, but you know, um, you know, obviously from a family, a personal side is even with my wife is just trying to like set better set goals for like the the year or the next few years, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of weird to think about, you know, 10 years down the road with my kid, be like, oh my gosh, they're teenagers and they're going to be driving and I'm not going to be able to see them as much. So I probably, you know, from there, I don't quite project it too far out, but I do think about that type of stuff. But, you know, from a, from a business perspective, um, you know, I want to be able to grow my business so that we're financially comfortable, you know, obviously, yeah, yeah it'd be sweet to make $200,000, you know, mm-hmm. and just be, and just live super comfortable. And that's, that is a goal is to be, um, is to be more financially comfortable for our family. Cause Stable. you know, money's, money's often a source of, of arguments, you know, within a family and it was for mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. And, um, no, and I understand that. Cause I, I have, I can relate to that hundred percent. 
just because right now, you know, I've done so many different business ventures, um, all out of the greed for money and Mm -hmm. um, impressions. And that's something that I share about a lot is, you know, I wanted to have people look at me like, oh, there's this young kid doing all this entrepreneurial stuff. And I also wanted to have the money to back up a certain lifestyle. Now, I realized that a lot of that wasn't, since it wasn't my passion, none of it worked out and I would get tired of it and I'd get burnt out. And so now for myself and my relationship, that's one of my, you know, I caused my girlfriend to be scared about our future because of how many times I jumped around and how many times I've not stuck with something. You know what I mean? So yep. we, 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 we get in that conversation a lot. And, you know, even though we're only in our 20s, that's whenever I kind of sat back and was like, okay, I decided I want to be with this person. And I decided that I wanted to have a future of us. So what can I do to mitigate that fear? You know what I mean? Obviously, in your 20s, oh, yeah. things, are, things are scary. Because you're still figuring life out. You know what I mean? You're still getting you going to college, whatever. And so that's where I kind of started applying myself. Like, you know, maybe the things that I like to do don't have to be my full business. This podcast is a hobby for me. I love doing podcasting because it gives me a chance to speak about things that I care about. Um, and also have guests come up and share experiences. But um, like I mentioned on the episode that I was recording before meeting with you, um, I was talking about going back to school for um, – neuropsychology because that's something that I think not only can help my podcast but it would be um, a good career that you know I've never thought about what I care about I've never thought about Mm -hmm. finding a career that really is me yeah you know what I mean and so for once I finally gave it some real thought and I was like well you know what I could I could enjoy that because I've always cared about you know psychology and how the brain works how you know your mental um, thought processes can have health barriers on you and how that all, you know, I've always been fascinated about that kind of stuff. So that's where I've, you know, started applying myself to help her out and help us out in the future, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell people all the time and I think to myself, I never once thought I'd be a kicking coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like even in college, I was like, man, I'm never once thought I'd probably pursue the NFL until I had a really good phenomenal last year. And I never thought I'd be running a kicking academy. And sometimes I even reflect, I'm like, man, what would I have done different? You know, or, or what would have my life been like if I would have just made a different decision? If I didn't mm-hmm. marry my wife, you know, and, and so I think about that stuff. And, you know, sometimes you hear, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual guy, you know, yeah. and, and I've in, I think even, well, I went through some, some tighter times of anxiety is, you know, asking God to take control of your life mm-hmm. and and finally being satisfied with okay whatever whatever you guide my life to do i'll i'll do it versus me trying to control every little aspect of my life yeah and i think for me at least it, it worked that i just sort of let let go of the control of what was going on and what was causing me anxieties and stresses and just said whatever i'm supposed to learn from this you know uh let me let me figure out an answer so i can make a difference down the road you know and that took a little while. So, I mean, it, you know, not a lot of people talk about the spiritual side of things, but for me, that was a variable that, that helped me out as well is just, you know, say, Absolutely. give it, I'm going to give up control, you know, of Absolutely. what I'm trying to control. As far as like, you know, um, spirituality and stuff like that, I've had a grip of people, you know, that I've talked to that are very spiritual. And I've had a lot of people that aren't very spiritual um, that, you know, I've had very, very deep and concise conversations with. And a lot of like the spiritual people, whether it even be pastors or just like, youth pastors or anybody, um, they always bring up, you know, 
and I think this is a whether you're religious or not, as far as the listeners go, I think this is a pretty good morale to have is um, they always would bring up that the Bible says uh, God doesn't want you to give into your human emotions. And I think that's very, very powerful, you know, whether you're religious or not, whether you're religious or not, that's something that you could take with you and into every situation where you start having anxiety, where you start having depression, that is a human, a very, very human emotion. That is something that only humans, um, only humans can uh, really grasp, right? Because animals, a lot of animals do have anxiety because it's a part of the flight or flight uh, yeah. reaction of things. But to give into those emotions, to let them become controlling over you, that's where, you know, things get a little bit rocky. So th- that's a very, you know, it's not bad thing to be uh, spiritual and religious. I think there's a lot of good morale sets that you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Awesome. Well, we're running up. Um, I have another episode to record. So if you have any last messages, anything you want to share with the folks listening, um, I'll go ahead and do so. And then if you have any social media website or anything you'd like to promote, you can do that as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know this interview, we talked a lot about kind of stressors and anxiety and stuff like that. And I guess probably a, a few parting words I would say is, is coming from somebody that was maybe OCD or a perfectionist on things, you know, and, some, you know, I mean, there's lyrics out there, but, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And, and, and you don't want to try to strive to be somebody else's life, you know, through social media and looking at somebody's perfect Instagram photo or perfect life that they portray on social media, because a lot of times behind the scenes, it's not like that, you know? So yeah, just, just be okay with who you are and know that, you know, everybody's got something big that happens in their life. I believe, you know, whether it's maybe multiple times, but you know, if you haven't quite found your purpose, it'll come, you know, and, and it's okay to not be perfect, you know, and we just, we just strive to be, you know, the best version of ourselves, you know, and just, set set realistic goals and 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 stretch goals to help you kind of reach what you want to do with your life that's good that's powerful do you have any social media or website or anything you'd like to promote sure well i mean i guess if if you want to learn how to become a kicker you know you could check out special teams football academy you know on on on, you know just on the website or, or twitter and instagram and i'm pretty much on everything if you type in special teams fb or special teams football academy um you know i do run a podcast called the fourth down experience and we do talk about special teams on there so if you're into football and like special teams and sporting kickers punters and snappers um you know on soundcloud and and instagram or sorry soundcloud and 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 apple itunes it's called the fourth down experience podcast and we, we interview nfl specialists actually in each podcast so you can learn from the guys that have been out there and hear their story because oftentimes kickers are an afterthought or they're made fun of, but you know, there's a human element to, to them and, and they're not all perfect too, which is what you see in, uh, in the sports world. So fourth down experience podcast would be something if you did want to listen to a sports uh, related podcast. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Well, Hey, Chris, thank you so much for uh, coming on the episode. I had a great time talking with you. Um, I'll get you back with all this other information that we may need. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I enjoyed it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you later, Chris. Later. Hopefully you've had an amazing time listening to this podcast. If you could do me a huge favor, I have a few questions to ask. One, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to anchor.com.
fm forward slash melancholy condition there's a button on there that allows you to support just a dollar a month to help the future episodes of this uh, podcast progress secondly whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on do me a huge favor and just give it a rating if you wanted to give a five star great if you wanted to give it a one star even better if you want to just go ahead and tell me everything that i'm doing wrong or everything that i'm doing right i would absolutely love it just anything helps and second thirdly if you have anybody that you'd like to send this podcast to anybody that you think this episode particularly or any other episodes they may benefit from do that and just share it with them thank you so much